Well, good morning. I invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking primarily at one verse, verse 33. And uh, hey, Marty and Andrea, how are y'all doing? Back from seminary here. It's good to see you here. Uh, it's kind of a surprise. Didn't realize you guys were going to be here. But I uh, wanted to, you to see what's going on with uh, the Jennings. And uh, Luke and Gracie are doing well. And Blake uh, tells me that they are gaining weight and uh, continue to pray for them. Blake's been doing some work from home. Actually, he's been doing a lot of work at home uh, with, with them. But uh, he even made a meeting this week with, with me and some others. So they're doing real well. So Blake's our teaching pastor here. If you're new, uh, Blake's our teaching pastor. And uh, he'll be... Uh, actually, next Sunday we'll have our global impact emphasis, but then he'll be back the following week. And then after Thanksgiving, I'll finish up this family series. So keep praying for the Jennings. Well, this morning we are going to look at the family. Last week we began our series on the family, God's original small group, and we did some brainstorming. We talked about what are some of the things that should be happening in a successful small group. Loving one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens. And shouldn't those things be happening in our homes? Because the family is God's original small group. And we have Bible studies and home churches and a lot of great places for you to grow in your spiritual life. But uh, first and foremost, we believe, and I believe the the Bible teaches that, and that's what we talked about last week, is that this should begin in our homes. That uh, we want to provide the best care we can for your kids here in our nursery and our children's ministry and Awana and Sunday school. But we want to really equip you as parents to be godly parents so that you can raise up these children. And so these things can be um, happening in our homes, and, and we can be expressing this as a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband and parents to our kids. And so that's what we talked about last week, that family is the original small group. I'm just curious, how many of you grew up in a home where your mother and your father modeled for you what it looked like for the husband to be a godly husband, uh, leading in his home as God designs, for the wife to be a godly wife, following the husband's lead and and respecting her husband. I'm just curious, how many of you grew up in a home where your parents modeled this? How many of you? Wow, that's great. A lot of you did. A lot of you did. Now, a lot of us couldn't raise our hands. I'm I'm one of those. I, I couldn't raise my hand in that case. And as a result, I've had to look elsewhere to find models. And I've, I'm so grateful that in our church family, we have men and women who are modeling this. And so if you grew up in a home where you didn't see this, then as the church, we want to present some opportunities for you to see some godly men and women, uh, the husbands loving their wives and the wives respecting their husbands, as we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Also, uh, another survey here. How many of you are married could you, would you raise your hand if you're married? Okay, a lot of you are. A lot of you uh, are going to find direct application uh, today in your homes as a result of what we talked about. Some of you didn't raise your hand. In fact, as a, in a university church, we recognize that we have a lot of singles. And we have singles again. And we recognize that this topic provides an opportunity for you to be trained and equipped 
for something that's on down the road. Well, we believe that that's one of the reasons it's so important in a university church to talk about marriage and family so that you're not just waiting until that day, but that you can be equipped and trained and prepared and even gives you something to look toward as singles you're thinking about dating. You know, we date, I tell my daughter this, we date the people we're going to marry. That's why um, she's not going to date until she's 25. Uh, But uh, we need to have an idea for what we're looking for. And so if your idea of a spouse comes from what you're picking up in the media, in the movies and, and all that, in the entertainment industry, then we need to do a little adjustment here. We, because there's certain qualities that we should be looking for in a mate. And hopefully, if you're single, that uh, you'll be able to file some of these away, but you'll begin to intentionally pursuing in your own life first becoming men, godly men who display these qualities and ladies, godly ladies who display these qualities because you want to marry a prince, become a princess and vice versa, right? You want to marry a godly woman, men become a godly man, vice versa. That's where we uh, can apply this as singles. And if you have um, uh, are single again, and we have a number of our church that are have walked through that, then we hope and pray that this uh, teaching and, and God's Word will provide healing and comfort for you as uh, you've experienced that, that life experience. And so we're here together as the family of God to grow together on this important topic. And as I mentioned last week, when we talk about the family, realize through a faith in Christ, through a relationship in Jesus Christ, we become part of His family. We're adopted into His family. We receive eternal life. And so together as the family of God, we're studying this very critical, this very important topic on the family. I mentioned last week that the marriage relationship is the most important relationship in a home. And we looked back at Genesis chapter 2 and at the God's blueprint for marriage, the foundation that was established in Genesis 2. We see this Uh, Some of these verses picked up in our passage this morning, but this morning I really want to focus on one verse, Ephesians 5.33. We'll be looking at some others, but the primary verse we're looking at is Ephesians 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. So that's where I'm getting the title from this for this message this morning is on love and respect. The husband's primary role is to love his wife. The wife's primary role is to respond by respecting her husband. There's a great book on this called Love and Respect. Great title. In fact, our home church is going through this right now. Highly recommend this. And we've offered that as an elective, but you can study that and you can purchase that on your own. It's some material that I'll be drawing from some of these topics this morning. It's a great book. Highly recommend love and respect. General marriage principles. I want to give some overarching principles before we dive into individual responsibilities. First of all, remember the purpose of marriage. Why marriage? Our marriages are to visibly demonstrate Christ's love relationship with His bride, the church. Now that is a very humbling thing, to think that my relationship with my bride is to reflect to my neighbors, to the people I work with, 
to our family, Christ's relationship with his bride, the church. That should put us on our knees. That's a humbling thing. That is the high calling, the holy calling of marriage. And that's why God spends so much time in Scripture teaching on the concepts of marriage and the value of the marital relationships. The prerequisite, as we talked about last week, is a one flesh union. We saw this in Genesis 2.24. We also see this in Ephesians, the passage we're looking at this morning, 5.31. For this cause or for this reason, talking about marriage, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This term one flesh is as if two Fibers of the paper here in our Bible, two different pages, are enmeshed and two become one. We don't lose our individuality, but we stop being single at that point. It's no longer about my money, my time, my stuff. It's us. It's our. It's we together. And we enter into a covenant. These are the vows that my wife and I said on our marriage day, uh, at our wedding. And I, Brad, take you, Susan, to be my wife. And I promise before God and these witnesses to be your faithful husband. And we made some uh, vows with each other. And many of you had some similar ones to share with you in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health. Uh, my wife happens to be sick this morning. She's uh, not able to be here. And in fact, I was going to have her share a little bit of a, a testimony at the end about what it looks like to respect Husbands, And uh, unfortunately, she's not going to be able to do that. But uh, now I've got an opportunity to love her uh, as she is not feeling well, to keep my commitment, my vows to her, to love and care for you as Christ instructs me so that together we may serve God and others as long as we both shall live. And I give you this ring today as a tangible symbol of these promises. So our rings are an expression, the circle is the, to symbolize the eternal covenant that's been made between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And a miracle takes place. Two become one at the altar when uh, a couple enters into marriage. One spouse can kill a marriage, but it takes two to keep it one. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? It takes two to preserve the unity of the marriage union. And that's something that God has designed until death do us part. So remember the the purpose of marriage. The second general marriage principle is that we are selfish. We are fleshly. We are sinful. Remember, Adam was created with some gaps, and he had some needs. And we all have gaps. We all have needs. We all have sinfulness in our life. Um, In fact, if you're married today, you have my permission to now turn to your spouse and to say that uh, I am... Uh, selfish. So uh, you want to do that right quick? Don't say you are. We're not, we're, you're not permitted to say you are selfish. I am selfish. And, and he or she will reply back to you, yes, you are. Uh, I've, I've noticed that. Uh, because our flesh rises to the surface and we are sinful. So we are selfish as we come into this Marriage relationship, we bring some baggage with us. And while we have new identities in Christ, we still have the flesh. And our flesh rises up. So that's the general marital principle here. Another principle, we want our needs met first. 
You ever notice that? This morning I'm going to be talking about husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. I'm going to be talking about wives, respect your husband. You ever notice how conditional you function in that role? I will love you if you respect me. I will respect you if you love me. We want our needs met first because it's all about me. You know, it's the toddler's creed. And so we, if we're not careful, can be looking at ourselves. And one of the basic premises I'm going to be arguing this morning is no. We are to unconditionally, husbands, love our spouses even if they're not respecting us. And spouses, wives, you are to unconditionally respect your husband even if he's not loving you. Now that's a radical thought. That's one of the concepts of the book, Love and Respect, brings out. But we tend to want our needs met first. We are different. We talked last week about the differences in male and female. We are different by design. Thank God we're different because Susan completes me. She fills in my gaps and I fill in hers. And we can't do this on our own. This thing called marriage, we can't do it on our own. No matter how hard we try, we can't do it on our own. In fact, the more I try to do it on my own, the more I fall, the more I fail, the more I am miserably meeting needs that God has designed me to meet. The context here in Ephesians 5, as I read of husbands love your wives and wives respect, goes all the way back to verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation. That's waste. That's excess. But to be filled with the Spirit, instead of being controlled by the wine, we're to be filled with or controlled by God's Holy Spirit. We need His Spirit living in and through us so that we can express to our mates uh, God's design. We need God's Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? (laughs) And we can all give testimony or maybe our spouses can give testimony to our failure for when we try to pull this off on our own. When I try to pull it off on our own, I'm, I'm a loser as a husband. I can't do this. I need Christ. I need His Spirit living through me. We also need to learn our spouse's love language. We're different. We are different by design. And for several years in our marriage, I could not figure out why Susan wasn't responding to some of the things I was initiating towards her in communicating love. And we took this little love language test. By the way, I got the website on here, fivelovelanguages.com. There's a third, guys, you'll love this, 30-second test. Only 30 seconds. So all of us guys, you know, short attention span. 30-second test to figure out what your love language is. Gift-giving, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, words of encouragement. Susan and I realized that we had the absolute opposite. We were flipped, okay? And so gift-giving is her number one. It's my number five. So, you know, holidays, you know, I remember she cried and cried one Christmas because I gave her a can opener. I did that. I truly did. I gave her other stuff too, but uh, I gave her a can opener. I wrapped it up in a present. It's a good functional gift, you know? Uh, she didn't get it. Just didn't do much for her. And uh, I learned that you hand over can openers from the Walmart bag, you know, and, and you don't wrap can openers in our home. And so, um, but 
Quality time is number one for her. Her dad was a salesman and gone a lot, so quality time. That's, that's really uh, important. My number one is uh, words of encouragement and acts of service are real close. And so, you know, I'm serving, doing stuff at the house, cleaning, and I don't, why aren't I being appreciated here? And so anyway, we have uh, learned a lot through um, this, this little exercise of understanding each other's differences. Five love languages. Seventh, move towards your spouse. Initiate with your spouse, regardless if they are initiating towards you or not. More about that in just a minute. Husbands, unconditionally love your wives. It's from verse 33. Let each husband among you love his own wife. I'm going to talk about what this love looks like. A love that demonstrates, first of all, value. Husbands, are we valuing our wives? An excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. I need to value Susan, and I need to, she needs to see that in our marriage. How many of you have uh, stovetops that are the uh, flat ceramic or uh, glass stovetops? Any of, you, any of you have those in your home? We have one in our home. And uh, in my acts of service uh, as my love language, expressing to her, uh, and, and sometimes uh, I, I will actually help clean the kitchen. And uh, I clean the countertops with a sponge. And I clean the top of the stove with a sponge. Did you know that there's a wonderful product called glass cooktop cleaner? And that you're not supposed to use a sponge on top of your stove. Now, this is a silly little thing, but it, has, it became, I got her permission to use this, and, and she's sick, not here anyway, so, you know, but, oh, my kids are here. Oh, I better be careful. My kids are here. Um, but this is what you're supposed to use on your stove. My wife is very detailed and follows directions. It's not a negative at all, but that stove is supposed to be cleaned with this glass stovetop. I haven't been... Clean it. In fact, for years, I've been, I, true confession, I've been using the sponge and not this. Well, Susan got fed up with it. So she made a sign and she put the sign over the stove. Do not use sponge. Only use glass cooktop. So I'm in here wiping it off one night and uh, I see the sign and I'm like, that's funny. Tear it off. Throw it in the trash. Wipe it off with my sponge. Yeah, that went over real well. <laughs> Susan comes in. What happened to my sign? What sign? Well, we actually, that reached about DEFCON 3, you know, thermonuclear war. And uh, that, that was a real issue for us. And we had to work that out. You know what? It finally got through my thick head. I was not valuing Susan. And this was really important to her. And so I said, you know what? I apologize. I, I, was, I was wrong for not being sensitive to you. Uh, I was just looking at the bottom line, trying to do, a, do the quick cleaning. And uh, I'm going to use the glass cooktop cleaner. And uh, this has made a world of difference in our marriage. And uh, uh, yeah, all you wives, that better have just been wives that were clapping. There better not have been no husbands. I'll tell you what, husbands, I'll sell you this for $19.95. <laughs> Help your marriage right here. Glass stove top cleaner. We need to value our spouses. And I didn't. 
Second point, submissiveness to others. Ephesians 5.21, as we're to be filled with the Spirit, we're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns. Uh, We're to also be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Ephesians 5.21. And in a minute, I'm going to talk about respect for the spouse and what submission looks like and the husband's need in this area. But before we see this, it's very, very important that we realize it's not just the wife who's asked to submit. We're all asked to submit. 521, be subjects to one another in the fear of Christ. And husbands, I want to submit to you that if you're not submitting to authority in your life, then why should your wife submit to you? If you're not submitting to your employer, if you're not coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ, if you're not modeling submission in the areas of your life where you have authority over you, then why should, you, why should my wife submit to me if I'm not submitting to the earthly authority that God has placed over me? We're all to submit. So I'm to demonstrate submissiveness in my own life. And uh, that communicates love to her. I'm also to demonstrate servant leadership. Ephesians 5, 23. The husband's the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. And I am uh, to demonstrate this headship, this servant leadership, not in a dictatorial manner, by serving her and by serving our children. Jesus Christ, uh, in the upper room, the night before his death, he said, they will know you're Christians by your love for one another. And what did he do right before that? He had washed the disciples' feet. Men, we are to demonstrate servant leadership in our homes by washing feet. You can literally do this, uh, or you can do this actively by expressing whatever your wife's love language is, but uh, to serve, to, to serve um, humbly, um, to, to lead by being servant leaders. Sacrificial giving. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. We see in uh, this passage Christ giving himself for us. He died on the cross for us. I'm to give myself to Susan. I'm to sacrifice my life for her. I'm to be willing to die for her. I'm to serve her and to sacrifice myself for her. By being willing to give up some things. That's why um, right after we got married, I, if you know me, you know how much I love the outdoors and how much I love to hunt and fish and do things like that. And uh, I gave up some of those things because, to spend time to my wife. And uh, uh, boy, I sound really like a uh, big sacrifice here. Um, <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth every minute. And uh, but there's some things that we need to give up in uh, in our lives to to and to sacrifice for our spouses. Next, husbands, we're to express tenderness and care, unconditional love that's been demonstrated through tenderness and care. First Peter three seven. You husbands, okay. So if your husbands, if your husband, this is talking to you and me. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives. In an understanding way and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So I'm to live with Susan 
in a way that's going to express tenderness and, and love and, and care for her and to nurture her and to draw her out. I tell newlywed men that if you will do this, it's like watering a beautiful flower and she will open up and blossom in, in the way God has designed and her, and her beauty will be glorious And guess who benefits most of all? You, the husband. So men, as we are tender towards our wives and we care for them and we cherish them and we live with them in an understanding and sensitive way, we are blessed of all people. Tenderness and care and love and listening. Those are very, very important things to our spouse. Family commitment. Ephesians 6, 4, we see the father's role in the home to not provoke children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Men, as we pour into our children and as our wives see that we have a visible and volitional and demonstrable commitment to our families, this is huge to her. This communicates love to our spouses when we show commitment to our own families. Protection and support. 1 Timothy 5.8, it talks about the one who does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. And husbands, we're to provide care for and support and, and protection and support financially uh, in our homes. We're to take the initiative in this area, in our homes, and we're to uh, provide for our families. And this brings security and stability. Uh, Susan tells me often that as I lead in this area, it gives her so much confidence and security and comfort in our home, coming under that umbrella of protection as I lead in this way. Openness and honesty. Our wives need us to share what's going on in our lives with them. Our wives are waiting for us to talk to them about what's going on in our lives during our day. I come home from my day and uh, students say, hey, how's your day? Fine. Uh, well, what'd you do? Oh, not much. And I realize she really wants to talk about my day, which is the last thing I really want to talk about at that point. But she wants to hear about my day and the details of of what happened over the course of of that day. She wants me to be open and honest with her and vulnerable with her. And guys, I'll tell you what, if you're not being honest with your wives, you, you think they don't know? You can fool a lot of people, but you're not fooling your spouse. We need to be open and honest with our, with our fears, with our struggles, with our hurts, with uh, our concerns. Share those things. Share them with your spouse. Be real. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. I know those are new words to some of us men, but that has such a huge impact on our wives if we'll do that. Psalm 32 David's talking about how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. 
and in whose spirit there's no deceit. We're to be honest with God and we'll be honest with others. This is huge to our, to our spouses, men, that we're open and honest. Last, purity and fidelity. Hebrews 13.4 talks about to keep the marriage bed undefiled. And we've entered into a covenant with our spouse. And we are to, to maintain purity in our homes. If you missed Blake's message, I don't know when was it, May or some, April, some, some, I think it's first of summer, May or June. Go online and listen to his message where he directly and very specifically looking at Proverbs deals with pornography. It's a tremendous message that uh, I'd encourage you to, to listen to if you haven't. But I have seen more homes ripped apart by husbands who are not maintaining holiness and purity in their lives. Men, this is, is key. It's essential. Um, it's, it's so important that Susan knows she can trust me in this area. Uh, in fact, she's one of my accountability partners on my internet filter because I want her to know she can trust me in this area. And this is huge. Purity and fidelity and for our wives to know they, this equals trust. This is very, very important. It's essential to them. You know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to hang on to this. I know we got, uh, we're going to have our um, fellowship here in just a minute. And I realize if I keep going here, I'm going to push us way past into that. So uh, I'm going to hang on to the wives part and we're going to come back and talk about that after Thanksgiving. Okay. And uh, we have a role for the wives to play in unconditionally loving our husband and uh, let me just mention this part, how important it is. Just wives give you something as your, because that's a couple of weeks away. How important it is to honor and value your husband's leadership. It's incredibly important for your husband, for you to do that in uh, your role with him. So I want to encourage you to do that. Let me just mention this, a survey, 400 men were given a choice between going through two negative experiences. One was to be left alone, to be uninvolved in the world. And the second is to feel inadequate and disrespected by anyone. Husbands, or or not just husbands, men had to choose one of these negative experiences. Which one do you think they chose? To be left alone and unloved in the world or to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Which one did they choose? They, they chose the second one. 74% said if they had to pick one of them, it was to feel inadequate and disrespect, disrespected by everyone. Ladies, uh, wives, it's so hugely important that your husband experiences respect. It's his greatest need, but not just from anyone on the planet, that he gets your respect. And you of all people have an opportunity to build him up or tear him down. Husbands, what are we to do? What's our command? It's a command even. I didn't even talk about that. It's an imperative. Husbands, we're commanded to what? Love. That was weak. Husbands, we're commanded to love our spouses. Wives, what's your role? What's your part? You're commanded to respect your husbands. Father, we thank you for 
our time together this morning. And I just pray for our marriages here, Lord, that we will love and respect one another in a way that will bring honor to you, in a way that will strengthen our marriages, in a way that will truly shine light on the reality of the picture that our marriages are to be, and that is Christ, your love relationship with your bride, the church. I pray for anyone here this morning whose marriage is struggling, whose there's hurt and there's pain. Lord, that you would bring healing. I pray that they would talk to someone. I pray that they will take the initiative and not just settle for second best. That's not only in terms for their own fulfillment and joy and contentment, but it's also for your glory. Might they seek out others who will help them. I pray, Father, as husbands, that we will love our wives unconditionally, Christ, as you love the church. I pray for our wives They will uh, respect and honor unconditionally their husbands, not out of our own flesh, but uh, filled with your spirit. And now, fathers, we go to our time of fellowship. I pray that uh, you'll just give us a fun time in in, uh, getting to know each other and a fun time in uh, enjoying um, the koinonia, the fellowship, the bond in Christ that we share together. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. You're dismissed.